This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Guess who's back, folks? In this episode, a free agency preview episode of the Bearstock Underground is brought to you by Simply Safe. With home security, there's two ways you can go about protecting your home. There's the traditional way, where you wait weeks for a technician to do a messy installation that costs a small fortune, or there's the other way, Simply Safe. Simply Safe is everything you need in a home security system. It's award-winning protection, two-time winner of the CNET Editor's Choice Award. Simply Safe blankets your whole home in safety. You get comprehensive protection for your entire home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your home. Entry, motion, and glass break sensors guard inside. You barely notice it's there, but what's truly remarkable is you can set up this system all by yourself. Anyone can do it. It takes 30 minutes to an hour tops, and there's absolutely no trade-offs to your safety. You'll have an army of highly trained security experts ready to dispatch police to your home at a moment's notice, 24-7. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. It's why The Verge calls Simply Safe the best home security system. Go to simplysafe.com slash team today and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. Go now and be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash team. T-E-A-M. That's simplysafe.com slash team. What's going on, everybody? Free agency preview. Uh, our good friend from sportsmockery.com, Eric Lambert, going to be joining us. He's been going throughout the offseason, actually even before the offseason started. Like He did a couple of these while the season was ending slash already over because the Bears were out of playoff contention where he kind of did like a, a, a fantasy article about what he would do if he were in charge a quote-unquote mock off season so um, we went ahead and we talked a lot about that and uh, what free agency moves he would make we didn't dabble into the draft but mostly talk about the free agency moves that he would make if he were uh, able to uh, pull the strings so uh, unfortunately, I'm doing this at about 8.30 on uh, Monday night, and the, 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 the free tampering period in the NFL has already begun. The Bears have made a move already. They almost made one earlier this afternoon. Everyone thought we were going to have a new quarterback. The Bears haven't pulled the trigger on that one uh, just yet. So hopefully we didn't talk about, we didn't miss too much by me not posting this interview right away. But what are you going to do, guys? We're back, and here we are. It's the free agency preview of the Bears Talk Underground, so let's get to it. As the seasons begin to turn, a new NFL year has begun or is about to begin uh, with, a, with a brand new CBA uh, under their arm. We're going to have more playoff teams. Uh, this year and more games in 2021 and we got a brand new free agency period the tampering period uh, has begun what's going on everybody larity back for the free agency preview episode of the bears talk underground and uh, i apologize for my absence uh, in the off season uh, this year guys uh, i really do i i, I really thought that um <sighs> 
I mean, I, I, you actually hear me talk about it for a little bit uh, during my interview with, with Eric Lambert a little bit later on. I think somewhere towards, I think, about the three-quarter mark uh, in, the, in the interview there. It, this season really kind of sucked the life out of me, guys. I got to be honest with you with, with how pumped I was going in. I mean, I was, you guys know, I was excited about 2019 before 2018 started. And then the whole thing with how 2018 went and the offseason uh, for 2019, I was absolutely jacked about what the Bears could do in 2019 and, and what this team could be capable of. And then just like n- none of it happened. Like none of it happened. And we, we couldn't figure out, uh, you know, when we were bad, we couldn't figure out how we wanted to be bad. Can we be bad by not running the football or uh, Mitch not playing well or the receivers dropping passes or uh, all of a sudden our defense can't tackle and we can't defend the run? And oh, do we, we just pick different ways to lose each and every week, kind of like the year before where we found brand new and inventive ways to win 12 games and, and, and whatnot. The Bears found ways to, and you know, interesting and creative ways to lose week in uh, and week out, which made this off season all that more uh, intriguing and daunting all at the same time, because so many things went went so wrong in so many different ways. What is the solution to you know, or what is the the equation? Uh, you know, this plus that minus this will be success in 2020, which is like I said. Uh, the the intriguing aspect of the offseason, watching it actually go down, but the the the, the daunting and uh, disappointing part uh, for me, and it like I said, just the season was so disappointing. I was so ready for it to be over, and I'm just not excited yet. You know, I, I need this this offseason, uh, this free agency period, this draft period, and everything. I need this to take place so that the 2020 team can start to take shape before I can find a reason <laughs> to be excited. I mean, I'll be excited when football comes around and it's time for the guys uh, to get, actually get to it. I can pretty much guarantee that. But right here, right now, the team that we had, the holes that need to be filled, or, or are these even holes? Maybe if, if, we've, if we get this guy or, or if this person was healthy or, or maybe these new coaches will make the difference and blah, 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 blah. There's just too many balls in the air, to be quite uh, honest with you. Uh, guys, it just I haven't really wanted uh, to come back because I, I didn't want to sound like I was belly aching or pissing and moaning about 2019. I wanted to look forward and I'm and I'm not exactly excited about where we're at uh, right now. So, I mean, I, I like again, I, I apologize for my absence uh, here in the off season. I haven't been very active at all. I'm trying to do something about that. We got this show here. Uh, we had a great talk with uh, with Eric Lambert. I uh, talked to him on Sunday afternoon before all of this uh, started and um, talking about the free agency period and his his mock offseason articles, kind of using that as a template to uh, talk about the different moves that uh, the Bears should or could make uh, during this period. Uh, as I sit here at just before nine o'clock on Monday night, we have signed Jimmy Graham. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not thrilled. Not thrilled. I mean, the sad part is it's an upgrade because we can't get any worse at the tight end position than we were uh, in 2019. So you have Jimmy Graham. I just saw a tweet right before I started uh, recording. The Bears have nine tight ends under contract right now. Adding Jimmy Graham adds nine, makes nine tight ends 
in the division or in the in the division in the on the team. Demetrius Harris, the guy we signed from Cleveland before the free agency period. You got Trey Burton, Adam Shaheen, Jesper Horstead, uh, you know, and there are a hand, literally a handful of guys that I can't remember uh, right now with, you know, Burton and, and, and everybody else and Dax Raymond. Uh, there was that guy Saubert that we that we that we signed off of uh, waivers uh, last year. And I'm probably forgetting like Ben Broniker or something. I think that's the spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use indeed the better it gets and listeners of this show will get a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com match just go to indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's about seven or eight so far, and I'm still forgetting somebody. So we have nine tight ends on the roster uh, right now. So I'm sure that we're going to trim the fat somewhere and uh, ditch some of these guys or jettison them into free agency or or what have you, but uh, adding Jimmy Graham for two years and $16 million, which means he and Burton are essentially making the same because Burton signed a four-year, $32 million contract two years ago, so that averages out to $8 million. So, you know, maybe the two of them together can be something. Uh, The one major positive for Jimmy Graham is that he's been healthy uh, the last two, at least the last two years. Like both of his years in uh, Green Bay, he was healthy. Um, We'll see what happens. Uh, there he's 34 years old if this if this is a move that we make five years ago I am over the moon about this right now I feel like we're paying eight million dollars a year for the Jimmy Graham name more so than we are for what Jimmy Graham would possibly bring uh, to this offense but it's the NFL you never know he might have a late career resurgence like Tony Gonzalez did and uh, do some things uh, for the Bears uh, in this offense the answer about who his quarterback is going to be was heavily rumored to be solved early this afternoon, right when the free agent tampering period started, and the rumors were coming out that the Bears were discussing terms with uh, Teddy Bridgewater. L- looked like it was going to be about twenty-one million dollars a season to sign Teddy Bridgewater, and then all of a sudden it was the rumor stopped. Like, no, it's done, and now the rumors are are now that the Bears are trying to get in on Andy Dalton or Nick Foles, which means a trade, which I'm not thrilled about because as we've discussed many many times we don't really have a lot of draft capital to part with uh right now which means that anything significant would most likely have to dip into 2021 and i don't want to see the bears do that so who knows um we'll see what kind of trade scenarios pace and company can work on uh to see how we can get our hands um on another quarterback and we'll see how that goes I wasn't thrilled about the Teddy Bridgewater uh, discussion 
Um, we talk a bit about that, I think, with with Eric Lambert about Teddy Bridgewater being more of an Alex Smith type, more of a game manager type, not exactly somebody that's going to throw the football out of the stadium, but definitely somebody that can run your offense efficiently and uh, you know maybe not turn over the football as much. I mean, not that Mitch was a turnover machine or anything like that, but uh, somebody who's going to cut down on the mistakes, run the offense a bit more efficiently, and uh, you know, I don't know. And $21 million sounds like a lot of money, but when you're looking at guys like uh, um, – Russell Wilson making $35 million, Matt Ryan's making over 30 Aaron Rodgers making $33 million, and we all know Mahomes is probably going to be the first one to crack 40 $21 million doesn't sound like that bad of a deal. So uh, there is one trade that uh, is not being discussed anymore, which I hope is kind of a cloak and dagger thing uh, for the Bears. But by the end of the discussion, Eric Lambert had me convinced that it was the right move uh, to make, so stick around uh, for that to see which one which trade scenario I fell in love with by the end of the discussion uh, with Eric. Uh, as far as future shows are concerned, I'm um, going to try to have a little fun uh, with the next one, maybe kind of step away from the Bears a little bit. And uh, I'm going to have a friend of mine, Ryan Simmons, for all my OGs. You know I've had him on the show before. He's just a friend of mine, and uh, but he and I have been buddies for 20 years now and uh, thought I might have him on to discuss... Uh, I mean, with this whole coronavirus uh, mess and literally no sports going on uh, at the moment outside of the free agency period, which has kind of put the NFL at the forefront uh, throughout this mess, I'm going to try to do something sports-centric and talk about our top 10 favorite sports movies. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, stop on by uh, for next time, either be later on this week or early uh next week is uh when we're going to be dropping that one so but uh other than that the bears haven't made any other significant free agent moves no one uh is uh, i'm not hearing any other discussions about what the bears could be doing at this point so why don't we go ahead and dive into our discussion with our good friend eric lambert from spots sports mockery dot com to uh talk about uh what we could do or would do or what he would do if he was running the Bears front office in a mock offseason. So the CBA has been approved. I mean, the ink isn't even dry uh, on the CBA, and I thought that I would bring in our friend from SportsMockery.com, Eric Lambert, uh, who's been entertaining us all with his uh, columns and his insight and, and great information. Um, but one thing that in particular that I'm bringing Eric to talk about is that we're, as far as we know, on the cusp of the new NFL year beginning this week on the 18th, which is Wednesday. We're, we're conducting this conversation as if that is still happening. God knows what the coronavirus is going to have the effect on it and all the rumors about the year being pushed back and and all the rest of that stuff. But, Eric, first, let me welcome you uh, to the show, man. Glad to hear you. Glad to have you back. Hey, hey thanks for having me back. So the, you've been doing these um, since before the season ended, when it was clear that the season was over. Uh, you've been doing, like, these mock off-season uh, columns. And, and, and the very earliest ones were before the season ended were that included coaching changes. Uh, for the Bears, like maybe even a brand new GM and no more Ryan Pace, and we're moving on to a new uh, 
a new head coach and a new general manager. What, who are some of the guys that you picked as candidates earlier on in those uh, in those articles? Well, in terms of uh, replacing Ryan Pace, you know, you you always I, I've always been a big believer in going after guys who have really sat in that number two chair, like right underneath a GM. You know, they've seen how it's operated, and you always want to go for guys who have served under successful GMs. So one guy in particular I singled out was uh, George Patton. He works with the Minnesota Vikings. He's the number two guy to Rick Spielman in Minnesota. And he actually has ties to the Bears. He used to be a scout for them. So I really felt that would have been a nice fit. He, he has some familiarity with the organization. He has familiarity with the division. So he was the guy I pinpointed. I was, I'm also a big uh, fan of Rick Smith, the former uh, – excuse me, Houston Texans GM who right. was who had to leave because of his wife's uh, illness situation. So, you know, he's had tremendous success, especially in the first round, which is, has always been a bit of a sticking point with Pace, oh, despite sure. his mid-round successes. So he was well, another I mean, guy. Eric, if you think about it, the first round has been an Achilles heel for the Bears. Guys like Brian Erlacher have are the exception, not the rule, when it comes to first-round sure. picks for the Bears. Oh, without question. I mean, Kyle Fuller was an excellent first-round pick. Kyle Long was another good one. But yeah. since then, I mean, you look at it, Kevin White was a total bust. Yep. Leonard Floyd was a bit of a, has been a disappointment. Mitch Trubisky's been up and down, and he's starting to you know trend towards that bust territory. Mm-hmm. And then Roquan Smith, I think he's a really good player, but he needs to show that he can stay healthy. So, you know, yeah. you really hope for that one to work out, but you just don't know at this point. Right. I mean, and, and you're talking about, you know, these first round picks and then, you know, Kyle Fuller was a great pick, not a Ryan Pace pick. Kyle Long was a great pick, not <laughs> a Ryan Pace uh, pick. So like you, when you listed his first round picks there, you know, the best one of the bunch, I think, would have to be Roquan Smith and Leonard Floyd. That's a guy that can start arguments among Bear fans because there's there's obviously a strong camp in the bust category and there's also you know the other camp where it's like like you said he's more of a disappointment because he's not a bad football player but he's not the guy that we drafted him to be he's excellent and he's good in coverage he's awesome against the run but we drafted him to be a pass rusher that bookend you know even before we had Khalil Mack but he was supposed to be that guy that when Khalil Mack came he was supposed to really show up and that has not happened as a matter of fact his sack totals have gone down since Khalil Mack joined the team it, they've gone down progressively. They haven't, you know, gone down, gone up a little bit, and then gone down again. It's been a, a steady decline for him. He had seven and a half sacks as a rookie, and he had three last year, including mm-hmm. just one in the final fifteen games. I mean, right. that, that's just that's just unacceptable, unacceptable when you're rushing across from Khalil Mack. I don't care, you know, if the, if the pass rushing situations weren't ideal. You got to be able to finish. That's what you were supposed to be getting paid for. Right. Now he. Now, he is a good player in other categories, coverage, run defense, like you said. I'm not saying he's a bad football player. I'm right. just saying he's he's about to be very, very much overpaid at $13 million. And I, I genuinely think if the Bears can't work out some sort of way to get that number down, that he might end up getting cut. Right. So let's, let's, let's move along here. Um, you know, real quick before we dive into how these, these articles, these columns have been going, um, who are some of the coaching candidates that you had uh, chosen uh, for the Bears? Well, before he ended up taking the job in Washington, I felt Ron Rivera would have been a perfect fit. I mean, former Bears guy, defensive guy. He's developed quarterbacks successfully. 
So I think he would have been an excellent choice because the people in this town love him. He's got a great history with the team, so he would have been a top choice. Yeah. And I believe and I believe another one that I've really singled out who I think is ready for his opportunity is Greg Roman, the right. offensive coordinator in Baltimore. He's done some tremendous work with quarterbacks. He was, he was good with uh, Alex Smith. He was good with uh, Kaepernick, and he's obviously been outstanding with uh, Lamar Jackson, and you know he's been an offensive coordinator for a long time and i think he's learned a lot under some pretty good head coaches so i think he'd he'd really fit the bears well because he builds great running games and he knows how to utilize his quarterbacks effectively so you know he would have been another choice i'd have looked at and he made his name as a tight end coach too another weakness that the bears need to fix this year correct yeah all right so we've uh but we're past that so every ryan pace uh you know matt Nagy still in place um, some of the things that you did talk about in those columns have actually come true. Prince of Mukamura is gone. Taylor Gabriel is gone, though. I think that was a move in just about every one of those articles of yours uh, that I read. Um, what are some of the other things like all things being equal? You're the man pulling the strings. The offseason is yours to handle from here. What are some of the moves? What what moves have they made that you would have done? And what moves do they need to make as we draw near to free agency? if it's happening in 72 hours, like they say it's supposed to. Well, the moves that they've done recently that I expected them to was Roy Robertson Harris. I expected them to tender him because I I still think he's a valuable part of their defensive front and they want to keep him around, you know, for $3 million, that's a pretty good deal. You know, he's a, he brings good juice to the pass rush and he's a solid enough run defender. So I think that was expected. And then I, as I continued to evaluate the situation a, a little while ago, I felt that, you know, as much as I'd like to keep Nick Kwiatkowski, it really started to feel like his market was starting to blow up because, right. you know, teams are always searching for good inside linebackers. So I'm like, it makes more sense to keep Danny Trevathan because you can keep him a little bit cheaper and he probably still has two or three good years left in him. And that should give you enough time to continue scouring the college ranks to find his heir apparent down the line. So it made financial sense, and he's still a good football player. So when they decided to extend him for three more years, it didn't surprise me at all. Please, God, please, God, let him go anywhere <laughs> but Green Bay. I mean, yeah, I, made, I, I made a post. I think I put it on Twitter, Facebook. Anyone anywhere would listen to me. And I was like, please, God, let him go anywhere but Green Bay, because I swear to God, if he goes to Green Bay, he will make the Hall of Fame kicking our ass twice a year for the next decade. He's a good football player, man. And and what's worse is I've heard that Aaron Rodgers is a big fan of his. So <laughs> that might that, that might not help matters in terms of Green Bay going after him. Right. Right. So but one of the other moves that I saw a lot in I think just about every column that you wrote for the mock, you did about a half dozen of them I, by my count. Was that right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. But one move that was featured in all of them, you, you had the Taylor Gabriel, Prince of Mukamura moves in there. Uh, you also had uh, Leonard Floyd being traded in every single one of those columns, whether it was New England or somebody else that you sent him off to. You had the Bears shipping him off even before the whole, you know, before even before the, the discussions about Floyd's, like you said, about to be grossly overpaid at $13.2 million when his um, when his fifth year guarantee kicks in yeah that's right um you know 13 million is a is a metric ton for the bears at this point because of their obvious yeah. cap situation but there are a ton of teams out there that a need linebacker help and b have a ton of cap space so they might not look at that 13 million dollar number as 
something too bad if they consider themselves they're getting a really athletic and you know quality linebacker which he is you know he's 28 years old he's a, he's a, he he's got some pass rush juice and he's a good run defender and in coverage and all that so i think certain teams might see value in him you know the reason i list the patriots is, is because he feels like their kind of guy a former first round pick still has loads of upside even though he's a little bit older now they always love to take you know limited risks on guys like this and just sort of tra- mold them into their defensive system. And, the end, and a lot of times they end up becoming big-time playmakers for them just because of how they're utilized. So, you know, I could definitely see that. You could also look at Miami. They've got, they've got loads of cap space, and they run a similar defense under their head coach that the Patriots ran. So that's another location I think makes sense. You could look at Oakland because they desperately need linebacker help, and they've got loads of cap space as well. So there are some places that I think would be at least consider trading for them if they don't see that uh, cap hit as too much of a burden. Right. And and one big part, like before we dive into the free agency was you trimming the fat on the, on the salary cap. So the bears have more to work with, which was a big part of the Leonard Floyd. Cause if you trade him away, that's 13.2 million off the books. What other moves would you make besides Taylor Gabriel and uh, Prince of Mukamura to, 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 to expand our, what, what our salary cap situation is? Well, you know, there, there's two other obvious moves I would make that are a bit limited in terms of what you could get, but it, it would at least be something. I'd cut both Ben Broniker and Adam Shaheen. Mm. You know, you, you didn't get much out of them at the tight end position last year, and they would net you about, I believe, $2.7 million. And while that may not be a lot in, in the full context of things, it at least gives you a little bit more flexibility. So th- there's somebody I'd look at. And then if you're really looking to, you know, get one final decent chunk, you could think about trading Cordero Patterson because while he was outstanding as a kick returner last year, his value is probably never going to be higher. And if you trade him, you can both get a pick and over $5 million in cap space. So while I'm not saying they should do that, I wouldn't be surprised if they did because while having a great kick returner is fun, you know, they need a lot of help at other positions and that $5 million could be a real, could be a real help to them. So that's just something I would consider. Okay, and in the uh, in 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 some of the other articles, um, you went back and forth. You you changed your stance a few times on quarterback. Now, obviously, that's got to be something the Bears focus on, whether it's to bring in competition or bring in the guy that's going to replace Mitch day one. And and you're you were kind of all over the place, like you you know whichever way the wind blew, that's who the Bears were going after in in that particular mock off season that you put together but if you had to make one move which one would you go with i'd go after Derek carr he'd he'd be my target personally you know i think you can get him for a pretty decent price at like a second round pick and maybe a future mid-rounder which i think is fair he's 29 years old he's in his prime he's talented he's got a big enough arm to play in chicago and his contract is still good through 2022 and it's at a and when you're looking at the money that a guy like Tannehill is starting to make at 29.5 million, his 21 million dollar cap hit looks minuscule in comparison, considering what you might be getting back. So he'd be my target personally because I think he's a good fit for this offense. He's a leader. He you know he loves football. He's smart, and you know I think he'd be a great fit for that locker room. And I think a passionate guy like him would fit in great with the Chicago fan base as well. 
Oh, without question. I think I think they learn to love him once he starts making plays. Yeah, for sure. But you know, if if they do that with Derek Carr, what do we do with Mitch? Do we just stick him on the bench and we've got a you know a better than average backup quarterback, or do we ship him off and try to get something for him? Uh, you know, both both options I think are are pretty decent because if you can't trade him, which I think they can, but if they if you can't trade him then you've got a decent backup and then he's off the books next year. So, you know, if, if Carr just happens to get hurt, Mitch can come right back in and at least run the offense that he's, you know, learned for the past two years. So you have that, but I, I honestly think they can get somebody to trade for him because, you know, the salary cap hit isn't a big deal. It's about $9 million. He's a former first round pick. He was a pro bowl alternate in 2018. I've seen, I've seen teams trade for a lot worse. And I think a fourth round pick isn't too big of an asking price for that. Yeah. I'd have to uh, agree with you. I'm, I mean, I've, I'm, I, and I know that you kind of, I know that you do disagree with it. I've seen you, you know, put it down several times. I've, I was kind of fond of the Andy Dalton option only, yeah. only, only because I, I, I feel like it would be a good way to kick Mitch in the ass and, and maybe try to see what we can get out of him uh, as his time ends or it comes to a close here in Chicago. Does he have it in him to step up? Because he hasn't been in any danger whatsoever with Chase Daniel or Mike Glennon uh, over the first three years of his career. Never been in any danger of not being the man. So I mean, Jace Daniel was never going to be the the full time guy or take the take the reins from him or anything like that, you know. But how would he respond when a real threat like a Mariota or a, or a Dalton comes in and he is in real danger of not being the Chicago Bears starting quarterback? Well, you know, we we all know this. We all find out who we are and who everyone else is when their job is under threat, and right. you know. That's you're going to see the real Mitch if he starts to realize that if he doesn't step it up, you know he he's going to be you know looking for a job next year. So I absolutely think that's the way that's the least the Bears should do finding competition. And yeah. listen, I don't hate Andy Dalton. I just feel that he's not going to end up being what Tannehill was to the Titans last year because he's a bit older. He's not as talented as Tannehill is, and the Bears don't have the running game. That the, that the Titans do to help compensate for his lack of knowledge of the offense, which would be, you know, an inevitable hurdle to clear. So I think his experience and his ability to sort of be a game manager would definitely be a benefit. You could look at him, look at him more as sort of an Alex Smith type acquisition sure. and probably a bit cheaper by that context. So, in, you know, if they want to go that route, get somebody cheap, a good veteran who can at least threaten Mitch, then fine. I can deal with Dalton, but I'm always that guy who thinks, is there anybody out there who can help us win a Super Bowl? Because this team is capable of winning a Super Bowl if they just make a couple of right moves. And, you know, I don't see Dalton as that sort of guy because he's had a lot of good teams he's played on in the past in Cincinnati, and he could never get out of the first round. So, you yeah. know, that's something that's always stuck in my head with him. No, I, I agree with that. I was just – and I had to dig deep for this too. But I, 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 the, the example that I brought forth when I talked about this on the show last time was the reason that I was before the whole Derek Carr thing became a reality. This was the one that I was in most favor of. Like I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I would go after Carr if he's available. If the asking price is right, you know, give the Raiders. You know, I'd be even be up to giving the Raiders their 43rd pick back if that's what they want for Derek Carr. Then great, we'll take that. And you know, but a it means that we're done with Mitch. He's either gone or he's the backup and then gone next year. 
But the, the, the reason that I was kind of playing with the idea of Andy Dalton being the best case scenario was, uh, and you'll see if you remember this, the, the Eric Kramer, Steve Walsh quarterback competition <laughs> of 1995. Cause we brought oh, Kramer oh. in, in 94, he has that shoulder injury that basically costs him the rest of the year. Steve Walsh comes in, turns the team around. We make the playoffs and end up winning the wild card game against the Vikings. Then in 95, they have a full-blown quarterback competition where they were swapping starts in the preseason. Eric Kramer wins the competition and then statistically has one of the best seasons a quarterback has had in a bear uniform ever. So I was like, hey, maybe that could happen, God forbid, 25 years later if uh, Andy Dalton or Mitch Trubisky have to go through a quarterback competition in the preseason. It's a good example, and I can absolutely see something like that happening because I think this team is more talented than than those 94-95 Bears were. So I absolutely think something like that could happen if you brought out a competition between the two of them. So it's definitely doable. But, you know, if we're talking about priorities, Andy Dalton would be my fallback option with Carr being the primary target. Right. Agreed. So we're, we're, we're going into full-blown free agency now. Um, if the moves that you wanted to make were made, A, how much salary cap space do we have, and B, who are your primary targets? Well, if we were to get Carr, for example, it would uh, bring in about $21 million in uh, salary cap hits. So the Bears would ab- absolutely have to cut Leonard Floyd in order to clear up that extra space. Sure. In which case, you know, you have to assume they're going to play it cheap on the free agent market. So if that's the case, I'd be looking at guys who are um, either on the older side or might have, have a bit of an injury history, but still have produced in the past mm-hmm. and see if you can get them on a sort of one year prove it deal just to see if you can squeeze something out of them and then focus on, you know, big time positions of need in the draft. So one guy I really had my eye on at the tight end position, which is a big one for the bears was Tyler Eifert, the kid from Cincinnati, ironically mm-hmm. enough. And, you know, he, he had 13 touchdown catches in 2015. He was a machine. And then he just ran into some really nasty in, in, in injury problems. But this past year, he played every game. He looked pretty good for a really bad Bengals team. And I think you could probably get him for, you know, pretty cheap on a one-year deal. And he could really help you out, you know, despite the health concerns about him. So he's one I would target. And then you're you're also looking at uh, you need some help on the offensive line. One guy I've singled out for a while now is uh, Austin Blythe, the guard from uh, the Rams. Mm. You know, he's nothing all that special, but he's a solid pass blocker. He's consistent. And I think and he's been a, you know, a, a decent run blocker, too, considering they've had such a good running game over there for a while now. So he's another guy I target if you can get him at a fairly decent price. So my primary focus in free agency would be trying to add playmakers and help on offense as much as possible and then just going best player available in the draft for whether it be defense or offense. Okay, great. Well, I mean, you know, when when looking at some of those articles in the past and you know, like I said they were they were they were all over the place. Some of us had us going was it did you go for Hunter Henry or Austin Hooper in one? Uh, I believe I often went for Hooper until I started to realize his market was blowing up, and I'm like, okay, that's probably not going to happen. So yeah, because uh, Hunter Henry just got the franchise tag for 11 million, so you know Hooper's going to be at least 
asking for that. I mean, that's probably going to be the starting point for his negotiations when correct, and it'll probably be more. Yeah, probably like twelve or thirteen million before it's all said and said and done. So that's an right. insane amount. And, and then George Kittle will probably blow that up. So you oh, know, oh god, I I shudder to think what that guy's going to be worth when he's ready. Um, <laughs> Well, I mean, and, and the only thing that compounds that is that we already have an $8 million a year tight end on the books in in Trey Burton. Right. So, I mean, well, is, he's not is, a possibility to get cut, though. I mean, that would hurt the Bears as far as dead well, cap, wouldn't it? Not necessarily. You know, technically there is a new way that they could cut him because because of the new CBA being ratified – the June fir- the post June first designation returns, so they would actually get a little bit more than just a regular cut if they were to use that on them. If they used a June first cut, they would actually get uh, two point eight million dollars in cap space instead of one million dollars. So, you know, it adds a little bit more incentive if they want to consider cutting him. Whereas the same can be said for Charles Leno, the left tackle. If they're not they're not feeling that he's really what they want on the left side anymore. They could cut him post June 1st for $8 million. So, you know, those are two names you probably want to watch in the, in the coming week or so to see if maybe they want to clear up a little more cash space and they feel that they can replace either or of those guys in free agency or the draft. So if you see either one of those moves, does Austin Hooper then become an option uh, for the bears or are you still sticking to your guns and, and, you know, going with the, the cheaper, you know, kind of like trying to find a diamond in the rough type thing in free agency? I think they, you know, if they were to, let me put it this way, if they were to cut Leno and get that $8 million, then yes, I think Hooper would at least come into the conversation, although I still think that it'll, it'll be a little too pricey given what he might bring in return. But I do think they'd be a little bit more aggressive at other positions, maybe uh, to replace Floyd, get a, you know, get a decent mid-tier pass rusher if you can or maybe a cornerback to replace Prince. So I think a few more things come into focus if they were to do something like that. I'm not saying they will, but it at least gives you a little more flexibility flexibility to be aggressive if you wish. So speaking of the secondary, you mentioned uh, Prince of Mukamura. I'm more concerned about the safety position because we just gave a boatload of uh, to money to Eddie Jackson, deservedly. We definitely need to keep that guy around. And but there's been some some pretty serious rumors lately, like um, haha, Clinton Dix has kind of been alluding to the fact that he's re-signing with the Bears, and he wasn't a bad player for the Bears, but I think he was bad for Eddie Jackson because it didn't allow Eddie to be the guy that he was in the first couple of years in his career. So I'm actually, I, I you know, funny to say, I I don't want Clinton Dix to come back if it means Eddie Jackson has to go back to being the non-factor that he was as far as his playmaking ability is concerned. It's a fair point, and I agree with it. I mean, him and Adrian Amos were such a good combination together in terms of their skills playing off of each other. You know, Eddie playing the deep half of the field, you know, in deep coverage with those great instincts of his, and then you had Adrian who could drop into the box and play the run and do all that. So they really fed off each other. And while I understood and completely supported the fact that they had to let Amos walk, being able to replace him was a bit difficult. And the idea when they first signed Ha Ha made sense. You get two safeties who are athletic and really good in coverage, but it ended up, you know, sort of working against them in the end. So I think they learned their lesson there. Now, the good news is there might be some, you know, reasonably priced strong safeties in this free agent market. You got Von Bell, who's coming out of contract in New Orleans. He's a name you can watch. 
one guy who just got cut by uh, the uh, Baltimore Ravens, Tony Jefferson, I think would be a great, you know, cheap get for about a one-year deal. You know, he's still on the lower side of 30. And, you know, when he's healthy, he can be a really solid, strong safety as well. So those are two names I would watch in addition to some other ones. So, you know, they're going to have options on the safety market if they decide to not bring back Clinton Dix, despite the rumors. You know what? I'm, I, I love the idea of Tony Jefferson about four years ago when he first signed uh, with Baltimore. That was, a, that was a guy that I wanted the Bears to go after heavily, and I feel like if we get him now, it will be Antro Roll all over again. Like, <laughs> Ant- like if, if the Bears had gotten Antro Roll before he signed with the Giants, that would have been a hell of a thing for us. He would have been a great player for the Bears, but we got him about four years too late after his best football had been played, and he only lasted one season uh, in Chicago. Uh, back in in 2015 I kind of feel like we would almost be repeating ourselves if we did that with Tony Jefferson Von Bell I'm on board uh, for that as another good football player and the you know with the Saints their own salary cap situations and the situation and decisions they have to make a quarterback for themselves are going to make them not as flexible as they probably want to be in that position maybe have to let some guys go oh absolutely Von Bell's averaged you know close to 90 tackles for the past few seasons for New Orleans. He's a solid run defender. He's a good blitzer. I mean, he really fits that strong safety mold perfectly. And expectations are that his market isn't going to be as lucrative as some of the other safeties are going to be available. You know, I saw like 4.5 million a year as a possibility. It'll probably end up being a bit more than that, but still, you know, for what the bears need and as good of a combination as he would probably make with Eddie, I think that's a reasonable price to consider paying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, I'm I, I like Clinton Dix. He was not a bad player. He was a good player for us. And Eddie Jackson still played well enough to make the Pro Bowl last year, but this wasn't the same guy who had five, six interceptions, three defensive touchdowns, and was an absolute lightning rod in the back half of that defense. And if losing Clinton Dix means we get twenty seven, twenty eighteen or twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen Eddie Jackson back, then I would prefer that as opposed to what we got last year. Yeah, and I think most people, including myself, would agree with you. You know, it's it's nothing against Clinton Dix. He's a not good player, but, but for scheme fit and for fit next to Eddie, it's just not right because he can't really play the box as would be necessary to let Eddie, you know, be at his best and what he does best. So, you know, it's just one of those things. It's not the player, it's the fit. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. I think Clinton Dix is probably going to end up getting a nice contract from somebody that allows him pl- to play more at what he does best, which is the free safety position. And the Bears should be able to find a solid box safety at a reasonable price. If not the names we just mentioned, there there should be others available as well. So, you know, I'm not too concerned about that. Um, one of the other things that we didn't talk about before we dove into free agency was every one of your columns included – an extension for Allen Robinson. And sometimes it was a three-year deal. Sometimes it was a four-year. Where do you see the Bears coming down on that? Because that has to happen, right? Oh, absolutely. It has to happen. He's not only your best playmaker, he was pretty much your only playmaker last year. So when situations like that come up, you got to make sure you keep that guy. So, you know, you'd wish that they could get this extension done before free agency, so it would probably end up creating a little extra cap cap breathing space for them but more than like more likely than not the extension that they're searching for is probably not going to get done until like closer to the season as has been typical with ryan pace yeah so probably somewhere in august would be my guess 
And I think Robinson was actually probably intentionally holding off on, you know, pushing negotiations forward until he saw how the CBA was going to shape up. And now that he has, he understands a little bit more where he stands. So I think negotiations are probably going to pick up somewhere around May and going into the summer is when they're really going to start talking. So speaking of the CBA, the two big highlights of the CBA for the league in general uh, in 2020, we're going to have a seventh playoff team in each conference. In 2021, we're going to have a 17th game for all of us to enjoy. Are you a fan of both of those, one of those, neither of those? Where do you fall on that? Well, you know, I, I always thought the old formula for both was working great. I mean, the NFL has been the top dog forever, and nothing has really even come close to challenging that with that formula. Now, I'm definitely in favor of the expanded playoff format because it increases the Bears' chances of actually getting in. So, Agreed. you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm never opposed to that. But in terms of the 17 games, I'm just not sure how that's going to work logistically. It's, it's a real challenge when you have odd-numbered games like that. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I feel kind of bad for the players because they're going to have to play an extra game and put their body through just that much more punishment. I mean, I know the league is explaining that there's going to be fewer preseason games, and I'm like, well, yeah, but the star players aren't going to play in those games. So, you know, yeah. it's just one of those things. So um, I guess you could say I, I sort of fall in between. I'm, I'm supportive of the expanded playoffs, but the 17-game season I just felt was probably a little unnecessary. You know what? I'm, I'm actually in agreement with you uh, on that. I, I, I also thought that if we do a 17th game, you have to add another bye week, and they didn't do that. That's not right. part of the of the CBA. And like you said, logistically it makes things weird because you have an odd number of games. That means teams are pretty much going to, you know, rotate or flip flop back and forth between having more road games than home games and more home games than road games and vice versa, you know, each and every year. So um, you know, that's going to be odd for the team to play more games on the road than did at home and so on and so forth. Um, you know, obviously player safety becomes, uh, an issue and, and, you know, adding that extra, um, week of punishment, their body has to go through before going on a postseason run and, uh, and things like that. I've been all about the seventh playoff team for years and they've been, the NFL has been kicking the tires on a seventh playoff team for like a decade, at least since like before the last, uh, CBA. As a matter of fact, my last show, I had a fun conversation with, uh, with Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears about the, the like four times in the last decade the Bears would have made the playoffs if there was a seventh playoff team right, uh, in yeah. each conference and we talked about what could have happened or actually in in uh, one of the, the funner conversation was the years the Bears made the playoffs on their own like in 05 and in 2010 they were the two seed which means they would have been the wild card team playing the seventh seed how would that right. have changed their trajectory uh, throughout the uh, throughout the season, the most interesting one being in 2010, they were the two seed. They would have played the seventh seed Giants, the same team that pounded Jay Cutler into the ground for nine sacks in the first half of their matchup earlier in that season. And the fun question was, would the Giants have saved us Bear fans the indignity of having us watch them lose to the Packers in the NFC championship game uh, that year. Would they have just come out and sacked Jay Cutler a dozen times at Soldier Field and spared us the pain of having to watch B.J. Raji score a pick six on Caleb Haney in the fourth quarter of the NFC title game? 
Yeah, it's a, it's a fair point. You know, that, that would have been a pretty ugly matchup. You know, the Giants' pass rush was brutal, but at the same time, you know, the good news is we we really we really don't have to speculate on that too much because you know what ha- what happened happened and right. you know it, it was really tough to watch what happened but at least we got to see him in the NFC Championship game so it was just it's just one of those things that it's fun to speculate but just be grateful you didn't have to actually live through that scenario. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, it was painful enough living through the one that we lived through uh, to begin with, but we at least got to see. Uh, you know the last hurrah of Jay Cutler and and Greg Olson with that show off in the in the playoff game against the Seahawks that you know we won a playoff game in the snow and how much fun that was uh, and everything. But here's one for you: in 2005, we were the second seed, and um, it was one of those where Lovey played nobody week 17. So and you know we had the bye week on top of that, so it was like three weeks between the last time any of our starters played any significant football. And the Bears hit the were just the sludge when they first started that game. Carolina got off to a huge start where we had one of the like the best defense in football that allowed twelve points a game, but before the first quarter was over, we we're down fourteen to nothing. And we yep. did not have an offense that had the power or the muscle to, to get into a shootout with anybody, let alone, you know, going back to forth with the Panthers who had Steve Smith who had an outstanding game. Would the Bears have been better against Carolina had they not had all that rust? Like maybe if we're playing the wild card round, you know, maybe Lovey's not resting everybody or resting everybody as much in 05, and we're not as rusty when we play the with the Carolina in, in, in the divisional round. And, you know, interesting to think about how that might have gone down if it, was, if, you know, if it went down the way that it could have with the seventh playoff team. It's a fair point. I mean, people forget that the two teams actually played each other earlier in the year, and the Bears, you know, beat them up pretty good. The defense played great, held Smith relatively in check, and, you know, held him to like 10 points, I believe, if, if my three. memory serves me right. It was three 13 points. to 3. And the thing about that game was that Steve Smith went off, but he kept we kept him out of the end zone. He had like eight catches for a buck 80 or something in that game. Yeah. But it was like all for naught because they could only muster a field goal. And then, you know, Kyle Orton, the rookie fourth-round pick who just became our starting quarterback, led the juggernaut offense to 13 <laughs> points, which is good enough for a victory uh, in that uh, in that season. But it's like if we get off to a that slow start we got off to Carolina, there was just no catching them after they put those points on the board. Oh, yeah, the Bears were not a team that was built to play from behind. So you, you could definitely say that Russ pay, played a huge factor. And if mm-hmm. they had – been able to play a game to knock some of it off and maybe hopefully squeak out a win in the wild card round they would have been much better prepared much more sense of urgency all that going into that matchup against the Panthers and I think it probably would have been a little bit of a different result so you know it's one of those interesting situations like man it's amazing how just one little tweak to a format can change how history might look from one from one season to the next yeah and that was kind of the point of that conversation was having fun with you know the what ifs and that's basically what i called the segment was what if um didn't have much fun with the 2012 i think team <laughs> they you know the team that started seven and one went ten and six we would have made the playoffs but we would have been served up for the 2012 super bowl bound 49ers had we made the playoffs uh that season we would have been without Erlacher, uh you know because he missed the last quarter of the season with that hamstring injury that basically ended his career uh, and everything, and they were just—they were a savage team in 2012. They would have eaten the Bears alive. Well, uh, didn't they actually beat the Bears that year? 
Yeah, in the oh, Colin it? Kaepernick uh, introduction right. game yeah, on Monday right. Night Football. So, yeah. you know, that we would have had Jay Cutler, which may have, you know, helped the offense up a little bit more. But, yeah, it would have been a tough matchup because we would have been playing in San Francisco and, you know, you know the hostile crowd, your defense isn't at full strength. So being in the playoffs probably would have saved Lovey's job, which is something to consider because that I think – That was the other part of the what if was that – Yeah, you know, you know I think if they had been – Right. I think if they had been able to keep Lovey, it would have, you know, steadied the ship a little bit more. Maybe Jerry, maybe uh, Phil Emery can put together some decent drafts, you know, to sort of help bridge the gap because he did get Kyle Long eventually. I, I think everything just sort of fell apart for em- from Emery's perspective with that pick of uh, Shane McClellan that year. I think Ugh. that did nothing for the Bears that season and ended up doing nothing at all for them. And it just sort of started a steady you know, decline over the course of the year because the first-round pick wasn't able to elevate his game and help with the injuries that were starting to pile up. And Lovey not being there to speak on Erlacher's case to keep him around ended up leading to his retirement, and it ended up leading to that steep defensive defensive decline that we ended up seeing. So it was just a cascade effect that just couldn't that got out of control because they didn't make the playoffs. Steep. That's a generous word, Eric. It was. Uh... <laughs> They were, they went from top five to non-existent the next year, from 2012 to 2013. Had a top-flight offense. The only one that was better was Peyton Manning's record-setting offense in in uh, Denver uh, that year. The only offense better than what the Bears put on the field, but we had the second worst off defense uh, in football that got old and you know incompetent overnight in 2013. So, Mel yeah. Tucker, man, Mel oh, Tucker, Mel Tucker. Boy. <laughs> so, um, any other moves? Any anything that was there a move that you like? There, there were like when you put those columns together. Was there a move that you could never pull the trigger on, or one that you would throw in there just for fun, or something like that? Well, I've I've been feeling a little more each day that they might be a little more aggressive than just quarterback on the trade market. I'm thinking they might actually seek their tight end help on the trade market, maybe okay. seek somebody who's on the younger side, who's might, might have been productive, but for some reason or another hasn't been lately and is coming towards the end of their contract. So maybe they can get them for like a mid-round pick or something. One guy I keep coming back to is Cameron Bray down in Tampa Bay. Sure. You know, he's stuck behind O.J. Howard, but he's been really productive in the past. He's, he's a really good pass catcher. He knows how to get open. I think – you know, he'd be a great fit in this system, and he's somebody I'd absolutely be watching, especially with the Buccaneers focusing elsewhere with their own quarterback situation and especially the defense. So I, I honestly think that's a possibility with the Bears because, you know, they're obviously focused on this season, trying to get playmakers, trying to get a quarterback. And, you know, if they're not going to get what they're seeking on in free agency or the draft, then, you know, let's let's explore the trade market and see if we can get a couple of good deals. So let's take a look into our crystal balls here for a second, um, Eric. And, and when we look ahead to 2021, and um, let's just say it was not fun doing it in 2019, but let's say we go 8-8 eight and eight again in 2020. What does your crystal ball tell you about the mock off seasons you'll be putting together next year? You know, honestly, if they go 8-8 eight and eight again, I think Ryan Pace at least is going to be gone mm-hmm. because – you you really got to evaluate things. 
He's been around since 2015, and he'll have had one winning season during that entire time span. And I understand he started out with some really crappy situations, didn't have a lot of picks, you know, had the oldest roster in the league, all that. But at the end of the day, he promised that he would build a consistent winner. And if they go eight and eight again, he'll have failed to commit that to, you know, fulfill that promise. And a big part of it is because he couldn't deliver on the big decisions, you know, the, the first round picks, especially the quarterback. So all of that comes down on him because if he had gotten that right with either Mahomes or Watson, you know, they'd probably be winning consistently. So I think Pace will definitely be gone. And because Nagy was Pace's choice, he'll probably end up being gone as well. So I think we'll be looking at a new regime next year if they don't end up making the playoffs or at least finishing with a winning record. And, you know, there's there's always when it, when a guy comes in and needs to put his mark, a la, you know, um, I mean, Phil Emery did it. I mean, he went he turned the Bears from a defensive team into an offensive one literally overnight. We trade for Brandon Marshall. We draft Alshon Jeffrey. We hire Mark Tressman. We go after uh, you know, Bushrod to be our left tackle. We sign Martellus Bennett. All of a sudden, we've got an all-star offense where it was the Bears made their name historically and at the time on the defensive side uh, of the football. Same thing with Ryan Pace. And basically, you know, I, I still remember his opening uh, press conference talking about how he wanted to be like the Packers and the fact that right now they've got 47 guys on their roster and 46 of them have only ever been green bay packers he wanted to build an organization like that where we've got homegrown talent we're keeping our own guys we don't dabble much in free agency because we don't need to you know do you think like a new gm would come out and be like okay or you know kind of like uh john gruden did when he came in with the raiders khalil mack will send him off we need that money elsewhere we send him off someplace and maybe uh you know and eddie jackson is gone or you know obviously that's not going to happen but you know guys that are the big contracts just to open up some space and maybe we take it in the teeth for a season and then turn things around kind of like gruden did he went like four and twelve his first season they were seven and nine but a much better football team and in a lot closer football games they kind of seem to be trending up uh with the raiders you know do you see maybe somebody would come in and do something like that with the bears I think that's a definite possibility, but I still think this team is talented enough to go deep into the playoffs. It's just a question of can somebody come in and actually find a head coach who can get the most out of it and also find a quarterback who can at least be, you know, serviceable. And, you know, that's the problem that Pace has had. You know, I think Nagy's a a solid coach, but he's not proving to be what pace at hope in terms of this offensive mastermind right. you know i think he's still an offensive guy who's learning he he really hadn't been calling plays for very long when the bears scooped him up out of kansas city he's a definite motivator he knows how to communicate with players which is extremely important but in terms of his offensive play calling prowess i think he's a work in progress so you have to wonder can he figure things out quickly enough to get that offense off the mat from where they were last year Now, then comes the quarterback problem. Every decision that Pace has made at quarterback has not worked out in their favor. Mike Glennon sticking with Jay Cutler, you know, getting Brian Hoyer as a backup, and then, of course, Mitch. So all of his decisions haven't worked out anywhere close to what he had hoped for, and that's a big glaring red flag with a GM. If you can't figure out the quarterback position in this day and age, that's a big problem. So, You know, it's just one of those things where if a new GM does come in, he would be wise to find a good, solid head coach regardless of what side of the ball he comes from. 
and then do whatever you can to fix the quarterback position. And if you can do that, I think this team can compete for a championship right away. I agree. I agree. I mean, I think we've, I think that's what made 2019 so disappointing was that we know what this team is capable of. We saw what they did in 2018. I don't think anybody believed that 2018 was a fluke. This was a good team. You know, they played above expectation, that's for sure, but they were talented enough to do what they did uh, in 2018, and everything was trending the way that it was. And I got to be honest with you, man, this is only the second show that I've done in the (laughs) offseason. 2019 sucked a lot of the life out of me, man. It really did. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I was super motivated going into 2019. I'd been saying since before the 2018 season – 2019 man that's the year because it'd be year two everybody's playing together we're in the system we know the system instead of learning it and blah 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 it's just it's going to be fantastic and it was anything but from day one against green bay it was a disaster and that that's what kind of makes the you know why i was so interested in your 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 mock offseason articles and just in the offseason in general even though i haven't been prolific in doing basically any shows whatsoever is that (laughs) You know, so many things went wrong in so many different ways. I am fascinated with what Ryan Pace thinks he needs to do in order to fix it because there are literally a million ways this thing could go, and it's just a few moves here or there on how the Bears are going to move the needle in 2020. Without question, and it all comes back to quarterback. I mean, is he going to stick with Mitch or or not? That's pretty much the question that's going to be answered because – if he plays it cheap at quarterback, you know, signing a, Mar- a Mariota or maybe trading and sort of reducing the salary of Dalton, you'll know he's definitely going to give Mitch one more shot to get it right. And otherwise, he'll end up trading for somebody or signing somebody, whether it be a Teddy Bridgewater or trading for Derek Carr, like we discussed. If he does that, then we know for sure they're moving on from Mitch, and that completely changes everything else. So everything comes down to what they're going to do at quarterback, because once we know that we'll start to see what their plan is and everything will start to come into focus. So it's actually pretty exciting. You're absolutely right. It is absolutely exciting. It's just that talking about the scenarios and, you know, and I I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel about 2020 yet. You know, I don't know how to feel about it because there is not the excitement that there was a year ago at this time. 2019 went so poorly to the point where we finished the season, yes, we won the game, but we barely won a game against the junior varsity version of the Minnesota Vikings uh, in Week 17. I mean, that that almost left you know a sour taste in your mouth, even more so than Week 1 against Green Bay did. Like, we needed to struggle and do everything we needed to do. Mitch had to pull off a fourth-quarter, you know, last-minute drive to beat the team that you know Minnesota you know threw in the trash essentially like all these guys that would not play a second again because a week later they go to New Orleans and they beat the Saints if we played that team they would have murdered us week 17 I have no doubt uh, about that it's just that you know 2019 left such a sour taste in my mouth I've been hard to get excited about the season because nothing has happened yet and I don't know what's going to happen it's a fair point I mean the way I look at it is what, what we saw in 2018 was a, a, a really young team that had so much success right away that they just assumed that they were going to have success again in 2019 right. yeah. and were brutally reminded that, that this is not the way it works in the NFL. <laughs> so I think they're going to come into this year much more humbled, much more focused, 
and cognizant of the fact that if they want to get to where they want to go, they're going to have to work hard for it. And I think they're going to be a much more efficient team, a much more focused team. And if they can get that quarterback position settled down, whether it be getting Mitch to play better or just finding somebody else to play it, I think they're going to be, you know, serious contenders in the playoffs. You know, and I and I am all on board with that. And I, and I do agree that 2019 could be the best thing that happened to this team uh, in going into 2020. Because like you said, I think we all did thought that 2019 was going to be a breeze in one form or another whether whether or not that meant Super Bowl I don't know depends on how you fell uh, on that I think we all thought the Bears were capable of it not many people were picking the Bears to do it but I we were all kind of on board with the fact that going through the regular season and getting to the playoffs was an afterthought we're going to the playoffs it's just a matter of how deep into the playoffs and that will be the real tone of success for the season because I, th- right. I think I had a conversation with, with one of my uh, guests going into the season, and they asked me what would be a failure. Uh, how would you deem the play the 2019 season a failure? Is like, Or how would I deem it a success? We have to win at least one playoff game. Otherwise, right. the season is an absolute, just, just an absolute failure. We barely broke 500. We did not make the playoffs. So, obviously, not only was it a failure, it was an abject failure, and it was just – you know, the only way it could have gone worse was if we had went four and twelve and just went the complete opposite way that we did in twenty eighteen. Exactly, and you know, eight and eight is nowhere close to what we had hoped for, what we had expected. But it obviously could have been a lot worse. Yep. So you know, I'd much rather take a five hundred record than a losing record. But at the <laughs> same time, it also creates more confusion because you don't now you don't know which direction this team is actually trending in. Right. Are they still a really good young team that can you know jump right back to being as dominant as they were at times in two thousand eighteen, or are they just on the downside? And what we saw in two thousand eighteen was actually them peaking. So right. it's really it's really frustrating in that regard. But at the same time. You know that in the NFL, you're just a couple of moves away from being right back in the conversation. And Ryan Pace, he's made his mistakes, but he's also a smart guy. He's a pretty solid GM. I think he has a plan, and it's just a question of waiting to see what that plan is. And, you know, when we talked a moment ago about what you think he would do with the quarterback position, his reputation says Derek Carr to me. And I don't yes, mean like the I player. Agree. I absolutely I think it's agree. The move, as far as like Brian Pace is a bold, go out and get him kind of guy. And I think that the whole we're all about Mitch succeeding in 2020 thing in the press conference at the end of the year is a smokescreen. I, I honestly think that he's ready to move on. I think maybe Nagy is endorsing that, to be honest with you, and that that's the direction that the Bears are going to go in. They're going to go in a position. Like they they'll settle for Mitch is what I think they're prepared to do, but sure. they're out to improve the quarterback position and go out and get somebody, which is why I think they'll probably lean more towards either going after a Derek Carr or breaking the bank somehow to get uh, a Bridgewater or somebody like that. Absolutely, and it's not just the talent itself of Carr that makes sense. He's got the big arm; he can sit back and shotgun, and you know deliver the ball around the field. He's got a ton of experience in West Coast offenses, which is another thing you can connect to uh, Matt Nagy. But there's also the financial aspect of it. His his contract is under control until 2020 through 2022. It's uh, averaging about, you know, $21 million a year. And when you're looking at some of the deals these quarterbacks are getting, that's that's cheap. That's going to be cheap in the next couple of years. So, 
at, as a GM, he's going to be looking at that too. Like, man, once the salary cap expands, if I've got that guy under contract, I can start to make some serious moves and, you know, restack this roster a little bit. So that's another thing you have to throw in with the whole car scenario. You know, and and I hate to make this comparison, but that number for a quarterback reminds me very much of me trying to calm down my listeners when they flipped out over Mike Lennon's contract. It's like <laughs> right. three years, forty five million or forty eight or whatever it was, like fifteen, sixteen million. I was like, I know that sounds like a lot of money, but right. Matt Ryan just signed with the Falcons for thirty million dollars a season. Fifteen million for a starting quarterback in the NFL is kind of a bargain. And I always leaned on the fact it's like, and he's getting almost all of that guaranteed money in year one, which means Pace can cut bait after year one if he wants to. And That's exactly like right. Kind of always what I was always saying. It's like I hate to make the comparison of Derek Carr to, to Mike Glennon, but it's very much in that same vein where it's like, well, he's $22 million a season. That's insane. Well, you know, that's so much money. But Russell Wilson's making $35 million, and Pat Mahomes is going to make forty when his contract uh, comes up. So signing Derek Carr through 2022 for, you know, $21 million, whatever it is, is a steal in my opinion. Absolutely, and I agree. I mean, I mean, it's if if I remember correctly, the salary cap's supposed to jump to like two hundred and forty million dollars next year, or something like that. Jesus Christ! I mean, are you serious? Yeah, something wow. like that. It's supposed to make a, a ridiculous jump. So if you have Car under contract at that point, that number is going to look, you know, ridiculously low. So then, you know, the Bears are in a much better financial position and they might be able to be a little more aggressive in sort of retooling the roster if what happens this year doesn't quite go as planned in terms of making a deep playoff run. But I think if you've got Carr, who's still only 29 years old, he's a three-time Pro Bowler, he's a good player, if you've got him under control for the next three years, you're sitting pretty because you can wait to think about extending him if he ends up playing well because he's already under contract. So it works out in so many ways if the Bears end up going that route. And this is a guy that was a three-time Pro Bowler, and he's only had one winning season, still making the Pro Bowl on 4-12 and and 7-9 and football teams. Correct. I mean, he's never had a defense that's higher than 20th in the league. Think about that. People yeah. always blame him for not for only having one winning season. It's like, well, it's kind of hard to win when your defense is always atrocious. Yeah. So he'll be, he'd be paired with a rock-solid defense here. The Bears have always been good about building defenses, pace especially. He's shown he's really good on that side of the ball. So I think it would be a perfect marriage of that GM to that quarterback because that quarterback's used to playing with bad, def- with bad defenses. So if Ryan Pace can give him some good ones and continue to give him some good ones, I think the Bears could have that consistent success for a long time. See, now I'm getting excited. Now yeah. I'm getting excited about it. Now I'm I'm really behind the whole Derek Carr thing. I really would like to see that happen. So Yeah. You know, all all love to Mitch. The guy tried his heart out and he's not a bad guy or anything like that. It's just, you know, it's Kevin White. It just didn't work out and it's time to move on. Right. All right. Eric, thanks so much uh for coming on, man. I appreciate you giving up some of your Sunday afternoon to check to chat with us about this. I mean, this whole conversation uh, could be moot in the fact that the NFL pushes the start of free agency back uh, three weeks. Then we've had this conversation too early, but it was fun uh, nonetheless, man. It was an absolute pleasure, Larry. Thanks for having me on. And where can we, uh, where can we catch you on online? Sportsmockery.com and where else? Sportsmockery.com, and you can also catch me on Twitter at Eric Lambert1. I'm on there talking football all the time. And he's very responsive if you want to hit him up. He'll actually answer your question, not like some people. So. <laughs> Eric, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Pleasure, man.
Once again, I want to thank Eric Lambert from SportsMockery.com for uh, being on the show, taking up some of this Sunday afternoon to uh, have that really fun uh, discussion uh, with me. So what do you guys think, man? Derek Carr, I, I really like that option. I mean, it unfortunately would means that we're closing the door uh, on Mitch, and, and as you heard me discuss with him, as I did, talked with you uh, on the last episode, you know, I, I like the Andy Dalton option because of the competition option. And it's it seems to be a, still a real option right now for the Bears. If they get Andy Dalton, then it's going to be a full-blown co- quarterback competition. Uh, I don't believe for a second that if we get Nick Foles, it's going to be a competition. I believe Foles is going to come in to be the starter. Same thing if we had signed uh, Bridgewater, which, I mean, nothing is done. That might still happen. Um you know, same thing if we get Derek Carr. He's coming in to be the starter. He's not going to compete uh, with Mitch. There's no way that's going to happen. We're not going to have a $21 million quarterback on the bench if Mitch, by some miracle, wins the competition. So uh, if if we bring in anybody but Andy Dalton at this point, I believe that we're going to see a brand-new starter day one, and Mitch is either going to finish out his, his time in Chicago as the backup or maybe the Bears look to uh, – send him off somewhere else, uh, you know, for for his future uh, in the NFL. So we'll have to uh, wait and see on that. But I was I was kind of lukewarm on the Derek Carr idea. I definitely love the idea of Derek Carr. He's a solid, solid quarterback, a really good football player. He's on the right side of 30. And as I discussed before the interview and we discussed with Eric in the interview, $21 million sounds like a hell of a lot of money, but it's not compared to what – other guys are getting what Dak Prescott is going to demand from the Cowboys in this free agency period what Mahomes is going to be making what Watson's going to ask for from the Texans here uh down the line and and so on so unfortunately that's a problem that the Bears are not going to have with Mitch I don't think um unless unless we do the Andy Dalton thing and he really blows up this year then well I'll be I'll be glad to have the problem about how much we're going to have to pay Mitch in order to keep him that means that he really played his ass off in, in 2020 and he, he turned the corner. Unfortunately, that doesn't look like it's going to happen, which is probably why it's better to go for a guy like a Derek Carr or a Nick Foles or someone in that regard that's going to come in and be the day one uh, starter and, and Mitch can be the backup for the last year uh, of his contract. So um, we'll see. And then it's interesting to see what the Bears might be doing with Leonard Floyd the next 24 to 48 hours uh, before the league year starts on Wednesday. So interested to see what, what what might happen there. Will they cut bait with Leonard Floyd or maybe see if they can find a trade partner to send him uh, somewhere? Interesting to see what's going to happen there. I, I don't think that the Bears will will just absorb that $13.2 million hit. And you you heard me and Eric talk about it. It's not that Leonard Floyd is a bad football player. He's not necessarily a, a bust for the Bears uh, in regards that he's not a good football player. He definitely is. He is a solid football player. He is a starting caliber defensive player, a good outside linebacker. However, the Bears drafted him to be a pass rusher, and having Khalil Mack on the football team was supposed to enhance his opportunities to become that guy. With Khalil Mack on one side, he was going to be getting a lot on one-on-one uh, matchups and a lot of opportunities to get after the quarterback, and since Khalil Mack has joined the team, his sack totals have gone down. I mean, you think he had like seven and a half in 2017, and he missed some games in 2017. I remember going into year three in 2018 
were all kind of upset that the guy was was um, we'd missed about ten or twelve games uh, of his first two uh, seasons, and uh, I think he had maybe four four and a half in twenty eighteen, and he only had three last season. And like Eric said, we he got two of those week one against Green Bay, which means he had one sack over the last fifteen games uh, of the season. So that's not what you're looking for in a guy that you drafted sick, you know, ninth overall that you traded up to get and that you already have $13.2 million guaranteed uh, in the season once the league year starts. Now, the Bears can still get out of that right now, but will they opt to just let him go altogether and you know save $13.2 million uh, on the cap, or will they try to find a trade partner, maybe get a, a late-round pick uh, out of the deal uh, on top of it? So we'll see uh, on that. So lots of moves to be made there. Um, Still very, very early in this early tampering period. Just saw something come across the wire. A lot of wide receiver movement. I'm sure you all heard about DeAndre Hopkins being traded to the Cardinals. Uh, Just saw Stephon Diggs is no longer in the division. He's going to Buffalo. He got traded to the Bills. I guess Stephon Diggs did not react well to Kirk Cousins getting a contract extension uh, earlier today. And um, Amari Cooper has signed with the Cowboys. So he's staying uh, in Dallas so a lot of movement uh, going on and the one bit of bad news was not unexpected after finding out that the Bears had re-signed Danny Trevathan Nick Witkowski has signed with another team and there is a God in heaven because it's not Green Bay he's going to uh, I was going to say Oakland he's going to Las Vegas uh, to play for the Raiders which means that uh, barring any kind of preseason or Super Bowl matchup we're not going to see Nick Kwiatkowski uh, face-to-face until 2021 or 22 or something like that. 2023, what am I saying? We just played him in 2019. So we won't see Nick Kwiatkowski play against the Bears until 2023 unless somehow the Bears and the Raiders meet each other in the Super Bowl. So there's that, I guess. So we won't have to, <laughs> we won't have to watch this guy kick our ass twice a year in a Green Bay Packer uniform. So thank God for that. So, um Anyway, guys, uh, that's going to do it for this free agency preview uh, episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Um, like I said, the next episode is going to be a bit a little, a little bit more fun, uh, not so much football-related but sports-centric. Uh, my buddy Ryan Simmons and I are going to talk about our favorite uh, sports movies, our top ten favorite sports movies, and you'll see why I keep saying favorite instead of just top ten uh, movies. We'll talk about that further on uh, in the next episode. So keep your eyes open uh, for that to be uh, released either sometime later this week or early next week. And then uh, we'll probably have a free agency review and then we can start talking about the draft because <sighs> despite the coronavirus, the draft is still taking place. It's just not going to be the out of this world bananas uh, fan event because fans won't be allowed. It's going to be on television. They're still going to do the draft, but fans will not be there uh, or involved. So, um, that spectacle that we were all expecting in Las Vegas. I mean, you thought Nashville was great and what we did in Chicago and Philadelphia for the draft was awesome. We thought Vegas was going to be just bananas, but unfortunately, um, you know, it might still be, but it won't be probably what it would have been with fans uh, in attendance. So damn this uh, coronavirus and, uh, and the way that it's kind of shutting down the world uh, right now. So, uh, I mean, I'm actually pissed that it shut down the XFL. I'm going to miss out on at least six, five or six more weeks of, of football because of this goddamn virus. So 
Anyway, that's going to do it. Keep your eyes open for when the next episode is going to come out. The top 10 sports uh, favorites, top 10 favorite sports movies uh, of ours. And uh, so until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bear Stock Underground.